0: Hey Kingfield family, thanks for tuning in to this platform with us on anchor.fm or whatever platform you were choosing to listen to your podcast on. These are going to be collections of our Coach's Corner, Coach's Talk with coaches, community members, and other friends within our network and the Kingfield family. So... Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. Please, if you want us to bring anything or anyone on, reach out to Danny at CrossFitKingfield.com. Send your suggestions, comments, and we hope to bring more and more fun, more and more connection, and more
1: and more value to you here on this platform. Thanks for listening and enjoy. All right, Patrick. Thanks for joining us. Um, so maybe you can start off with today I thought would be a really fun day. Um to go down memory lane, a little bit of just kind of the Kingfield story. Cause I think the Kingfield story has a lot of, um, really entertaining chapters to it. And, you know, when I think back on it, especially now in this situation that we're in currently, where we're not even in the gym. Uh, I have a lot of gratitude for people like yourself because, um, and because that thing couldn't have happened without a lot of help from a lot of different people. And, uh, we've learned a lot along the way. So maybe you could just introduce yourselves, uh, tell everybody who you are, what you do, and then we'll, uh, we'll just kind of see where this conversation
0: takes us. Sure, yeah. My name is Patrick McCarty. I'm one of the owners of Fuji Mats, and we uh, design and outfit, martial arts studios, yoga studios, um, CrossFit gyms, um, a lot of bar studios we do lately, um, stuff like that. So we provide the mats, custom wall pads, steel work, And I do a lot of the design. So I'll design and sell uh, from floor to ceiling pretty much anything that needs to go into it. So like over time, it's expanded too. Like it kind of started out as mats, wall pads, rubber. And then I started learning more about turf. So we're doing turf, subfloor systems, spring systems, So all this stuff that kind of spans from like fitness and CrossFit to martial arts and yoga and Pilates and bar So I get to kind of dip my toe in a lot of fitness industries, and Danny and I were buddies and uh, colleagues at the fire department in college, which is how we got to know each other. And then we reconnected years later, I think after you worked at the um, beach club, Mm -hmm. and you were telling me about what you were doing, and I told you what I was doing, and it it was uh, synergetic from then forth. Yeah. We've had a parallel, the uh,
1: careers ever since. I want to say before yeah. we go any further that all of these <clears throat> boyish stories that we're about to unveil, um, Patrick has since learned from, and has used the utmost professionalism in all of his installations there otherwise, and the product he offers is first class. So any and all, oh,
0: yeah. you know,
1: <laughs> um, no, it's been fun. I mean, I think that what's what I've always valued about our friendship and, and just, uh, I think where we went to school so originally I'm from from Colorado and we met at St. John's University when we were both on the fire department and there's this thing about Johnny's take care of Johnny's and there's this unique camaraderie because it is an all-boys school there's a sister school of St. Ben's for all the women but you are very much indoctrinated with this idea that the bonds you build with um, the men you go to school with regardless of what age group there's just this like you share this connection and it's and probably never been truer, especially in our friendship. And um, since we've known each other over the years, cause it's been, it's been 15 years, 15, 16 years. So it's been a long, long time. So, um, so what, let's start what on the way, way back. What is your kind of like your first memory of, of meeting me? Let's see if you can remember this. Cause I remember the first time I met you.
0: Mm. I don't know, I'm a year older than Danny. So let's see. I was uh, probably a sophomore when you were a freshman, I'm guessing. and Two um, figures old than me. You were what's a, that? You're, you're oh, a, three?
1: Yeah, you're two years.
0: Two years. Okay. So, yeah. So, I was a junior and you were a freshman. So, I was on the fire department as uh, captain when you started. And then you followed up after that and uh, became, like, the head firefighter captain when I was gone, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't remember the exact moment. Do you?
1: Yeah, so I joined, uh, I went to St. John's and the reason I went there is because I wanted to get out of Colorado and kind of expand my, my like, horizon, so to speak. And they also had a fire department. And that's what I wanted to do since I was a kid is I wanted to be a firefighter. And so I had was accepted on the St. John's fire department and heard about this, this guy, Patrick McCarty, and you were in Australia studying abroad. So that was your, oh. for your junior year. And the fire chief at the time just kept telling us, you know, because I have a propensity to, I'm extremely hard worker, um, probably to a fault, but I also will advantageously bend or break rules depending on um, their intrinsic benefit to myself. And I think over the years, I've learned how to do that a lot more tactfully, but um, that was definitely a core of me that I never left. And fire chief would always be like, you're just like McCarty, you're just like McCarty. And I don't know who Patrick was, because I never met Patrick my first semester of college. And when I came back, washing down the fire truck and here comes this blonde haired guy with flowy hair (laughs) glory days just just looked like he just came back from uh from australia and that's where we first met and so sure we had a conversation about beers and girls and then it was uh you know just just ever since it's been going forward so that was that
0: that sounds about right
1: so um so when we think about kingfield specifically so I wanted to center today's conversation, especially around this idea of like how we built things, but I think how we built things and our willingness to help one another out kind of started with our work on the fire station. So I want to bring up one story and see if, uh, you know, my memory always tells me how a one thing, and I'm sure it's probably as we've gotten older, not entirely true, but I'd like to think it's a hundred percent true. But do you remember, um, the time we, you and I were tasked with preparing this building that we were going to do a training burn out of. Do you remember that assignment? We got? I do. I do. Yeah. And do you remember how many couches we were supposed to stick in each room of the building we were going to burn down? Well, we
0: put, we put all of them in. Yeah. But do you remember we the put, direction <laughs> <laughs> we supposed to put, uh, how many couches yeah. per room? It was fun. It was a unique opportunity because uh, this place called Seiden Bush, I think it was, I, I painted yesterday. My hands are all white, That's awesome. so um this place called Sidenbush, this nineteen seventy something probably building that was just all wood and the most flammable situation, but we got to pack it, so we got to fire load it with couches and pallets and some diesel fuel. I we yep, farm diesel, some purple, oil. yeah, we Harms. kind of soaked those cushions in diesel, which um <clears throat> which gets a little nuts Do you, I don't remember the number of couches, but what we'll we one
1: couch. One couch per room, and Patrick and I took it upon ourselves that we were worried the fire wasn't going to be hot enough. We were worried that this wasn't going to be worth our time, so to speak, because uh, we were at that point in time the best firefighters on the planet. And uh, <laughs> we decided that we needed to put yeah. upwards of upwards of about five couches in about a four hundred square foot room, tops, maybe even smaller. And uh, <clears throat> we yeah, go if you
0: into- tetris them, you can get four in a corner
1: yeah the the class day loading was pretty uh pretty remarkable and then we decided that we were worried that you know we weren't gonna have enough to accelerate and so then that's when we used diesel fuel to just make sure the couches really lit on fire quickly and then on top of that we were worried that it probably wasn't going to have enough material that was going to want to burn quickly so we put a lot of farm hay in there and by the time we came out uh, we went in with beautiful fire gear visors down did the whole thing worked with a um, we won't name the fire department but a professional fire department here in the state and uh, when we came out of that fire all of our face shields were melted
0: yeah that was frowned upon
1: it's kind Dude, of like, how oh. hot the fire load was and the professional fire department said it was the coolest fire trading bird they had ever been in in their entire lives but you know lo and behold here we are standing but i think that i still look back at that moment and uh <laughs> it was just one of those times where you know, we took it upon ourselves for what we thought, what we knew better, and uh, good thing we had some real professionals around us to make sure no one
0: got hurt. <laughs> we were professionals; it just got a little out of hand. I think we got in trouble for that. Well, we got yelled at.
1: But. Yeah, we. Oh, wasn't the first time. No, so yeah. that's okay. But I think one of the uh, the fun things about that story is you and I have always had a spirit of just like getting things done and uh, being creative and finding enjoyment in those in those moments too. Um, because I think that that's really important, especially for business owners uh, like yourself and mine, that if you're only focused on the work that you're doing day over day and all of that, it, it almost seems defeating at times, you know, and, and that you, there's a lot of things you can't control, but yet you still have to wake up every day and to do this. And so um it's been fun to have you along for the ride. So, um, so yeah, yeah let's get along in a little chronological order. So if you remember, uh, for those people that don't know, CrossFit Kingfield was originally CrossFit Greenway and uh, we were located at 2902 Garfield and we're actually that's just across the street in the metal building from where we're located today and we were CrossFit Greenway because we were uh, right next to the Greenway and so when we moved we kind of expanded when we first opened and affiliated with CrossFit we had 32 by 17 feet we just had kettlebells nothing else And we quickly quickly outgrew that space and we moved to our first or second location, which was our first standalone building at 34th and Lindale. Um, And so that was 716 West 34th is the address on that, just behind five Watt coffee. And that was, we were so happy because, you know, it was the first time I was able to buy rubber from Patrick. We were able to like design and outfit this gym and um, put things where we wanted them really acquired equipment. The whole, all of this excitement around owning our gym. and then. Uh, do you quickly remember what happened as soon as we moved in? Probably within 10 days.
0: I mean, the neighbors started complaining pretty quick, but.
1: <laughs> Almost instantaneously. Yeah. So if I Tarantino the ending, we found out when we moved that we actually shared a water line with the neighbors. The house was, that the building that we were in was an old garage for the house that was immediately next door, which was built in like 1910 or something. And we shared a water line. So every time we dropped weights, it made their house a tuning fork. And that vibration just followed the uh the the water line going into their house. And so uh what do you remember? Cause I'm curious what you remember from that, you know, that period and that iteration of the gym. Cause this was also the time when you broke off from your former employer and started your own business. So what do you remember from that period?
0: Yeah, I remember um I remember we remodeled it twice. So the first time we kind of set it up, threw rubber down, I think. And then over time, like you started building clientele, um, making money and reinvesting that. So you bought um, the Rogue Racks for the first time. And you, me, Amanda, Chris Yang, a couple others put that whole thing together. Um, Started doing, adding plyo boxes, adding more kettlebells. You got all the rubber weight plates and stuff um, from that guy in Minnesota, Todd Hess. and um and then it just quickly it just quickly filled you know you built a community and a culture which everyone there just loved but we were just kind of out of space and making a racket so the neighbors weren't tolerating it yeah we i would say that what serves me best because i I try
1: to look back on my stories uh, so to speak of owning a business and i've had a history of embracing um Embracing authority. And sometimes when you are up against a situation where you could be in the wrong um, I've never been afraid to, you know, either a acknowledge that or be try to find a way to, f- you know, Come to some sort of compromise. And I think that that period of my business career um, and because we were dealing with a lot of stuff with the city and noise complaints and all that really taught me um, That regardless of what's going on in the day-to-day, it's got to be just like head down, eyes forward and just go. And I remember I would talk to you a lot about kind of like the, the lifeline of the gym and like what we need. And it was like, Hey, regardless of what we know, we've just got to keep going forward, you know, cause mm-hmm. I remember being like, we might get kicked out, but we might as well get kicked out with a huge business and a huge, you know, client list and then have a good problem on our hands. So yeah, I think that yeah, part.
0: Well, I think you guys went door to door too and talked to the neighbors, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Isn't we, that right? You and, you and Chris. Yeah. We went and, and talked you said, to them, Hey, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. We'd, we'd love you for you to come to a free class or two and check us out and try to pull in the literal community into the, you know, CrossFit Kingfield community, which I think, which is reflective of like your attitude and your, your, your forwardness and your ability to go out there and say, Hey, like we want you to be a part of this, you know, sorry about the noise and it's going to continue. It's the nature of it. Um, yeah, I think that, we that's, to... that's a cool, that's a cool personality trait. I think that has bled into everything else you do too.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah. Perseverance is a big thing because I think that you have to be adaptable. And for the first time in my life, I think I realized at that moment, we couldn't just hold true, hold firm to everything that we, you know, really thought. And I think that that's important. I mean, pertinent now for business owners, because there's a lot of pivoting going on, but you've always got to have this resolve about you that if you have to make adjustments, what are your core values that you're, you're hinging upon? So, and one of which was information, right? We wanted to show the neighborhood that we weren't just these loud kids trying to make a ton of racket that we were trying to actually better people's lives moving forward. So um, inevitably we, we outgrew that space and so we needed to yet again, make another move. So now we're moved into the current building that we're in, but we are uh, we, I would call this like our, that was our third um, build out. <clears throat> well, so maybe that was our, I guess, first, second. Yeah, that was the third. So what it looks like today was not what it was when we moved in there, but um, do you remember uh, kind of like our first day at 2905 Garfield? And do you remember that moment of like we laid down all the rubber that we had and it could fit inside the bay of where we were? Remember that? I do. Yep. Yeah, it was a wild feeling. So we, we were really excited about that, but that was probably the first time we understood that we had a, uh, you know, we were to be at late night projects. So let's see if you chronologically remember how that space came to be. Do you remember the first thing we started doing?
0: No, <laughs> it's, it's happened so many times. Um, I don't remember. Tell me.
1: We had rubber, we had to paint the walls, Yep. We built that deck put up the rack that keep that you know we continue to extend it was just and we had the basement area right so then we had to build that whole office for nate uh or that wall for nate remember that it was just yep it's it's just i mean
0: and i think ross uh ross was working out of like just that concrete construction area with a pop-up Cairo Cairo bed and he was he was in that room and like on his laptop building his website and i helped him like build his website with my tool belt on as we were building the other room. Yeah.
1: Hilarious. If you see from the inside out, running classes yeah. and building things in between classes. So that, that third iteration, uh, I think was the, really the time we, we started to find our groove for what we wanted, you know, the business to be about. And I think with that, we, um, with, you know, as always with great excitement and new things comes new challenges. And so one of the challenges was that we moved into a place where, the floor was no longer level and so like we could drop weights as loud as we wanted to and run around but the floor wasn't level so things would move there was also a yoga studio that was moving in so again we were dealing with more noise issues and things like that Um, but this is when I really start to think about the the abundance of projects we did and uh, the amount of building material that we have purchased over the years I mean we have probably purchased no joke 10 truckloads of plywood, at least, you know, for sure. So just building things and things like that. Um, we've gone through, I can't tell you how many lag bolts and, uh, lag shields and hex bolts and washers and <laughs> well, it, was a pr-
0: it was kind of a prototype zone for my, uh, for Fuji mats too. Cause we hung bag racks on the wall. We hung bags from the ceiling at one point with eye bolts you know, yeah. my truck was, uh, my pickup was constantly on loan for uh, plywood or four by fours or whatever you needed. Or So yeah. what do you think, it, did that process in helping me
1: build my gym, did that give you some insight into like what other owners or gym owners or facilities would have to experience? I mean, do you feel like that added value to your ability to communicate with clients?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I was a carpenter through high school and college, which um, definitely gave me a set of skills to... Um, to use in my job today and through that process with Kingfield, um, but it helps me understand a lot of these gyms are, they're all over the world. I just, um, I just am working on a gym in Azerbaijan and I probably have to go out there and install this thing. So you're, you're at a long distance away um, and then I'm basically communicating through photos, videos, pictures, um, FaceTime sometimes and telling these people, how to install their products, how to measure for custom facilities. And so like one-on-one with Danny, like in the gym, I could see, he's like, okay, here's a problem. Here's what I want to happen. What can I do? What's the solution? And so I got to kind of plug in solutions um, and try to do it in an efficient way where he understands it, we're we're communicating well and it's what you want. And it's what ultimately, what you want your clients to experience. So it helped me a ton um, learning that process in person, right? And then I got to do a lot of the good trial and error, right? Installing rubber, um, installing turf or seeing that installed, bag racks, um, all that stuff I got to do at Kingfield.
1: So do you find that cause what I think is interesting is that probably up until this point, and we're talking early 2014, the gym business was really kind I mean, cause things mimic one another. The gym business was really like buy equipment and then you find somebody who's got tools and just attach stuff but I mean now you people are designing facilities with business plans in mind you know and full transparency like that was not how we did it we really we needed more barbells we bought barbells we needed pull-up racks we bought pull-up racks do you find that there are similarities regardless of whether it's MMA yoga Pilates uh hit training CrossFit do you find that some of your clients, or most of your clients, have similar
0: problems that they need to solve initially. That you help them with. It's a full range, for sure. So, so we've got a lot of, especially right now with COVID nineteen, we've got home gyms going on. So my volume of business is probably more, with about one fifth or a tenth or something of the size. So there's all these small gyms going in. So when you're dealing with a homeowner, um, or like a passionate jujitsu practitioner, or whatever it is they're setting up their dream facility it's just as important to them on this like small 10 by 10 gym as it is to somebody that's got 15 location is and is doing their 16th you know it's probably more important to the homeowner cuz they're like okay first step i know what i want i want you i want what you told me i want you know it's perfect but i got to get my wife to approve it or my husband to approve it right you got to get the sign off from the spouse that's interesting so yeah that's always a first step um But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just different for every individual business. Some people come into it with a franchise, right? So they have specific requirements where it's hey, Fuji mats is on the, you know, on the purchase order list. So I need my stuff. And I'm like, great, I ship it in. And some people need like a full comprehensive consultation because they're, they're afraid, right? They're spending their life savings. Maybe they spent 10 years, um, getting their black belt in jujitsu or, they spent like all their energy and all their time for five, 10 years becoming like the coach that they wanna be, right? And now they're breaking off and starting out on their own, usually in in some environment that's far enough away from where they started. So they have new clientele and they're, they're doing all the stuff that you do as a coach, as a business owner, like as a mentor in a lot of cases, right? And they're doing that in a new environment. So they really lean on me to like help them bring the whole thing together. That's awesome. which really is one of the favorite thing the favorite things about my job is I get to uh, to help these passionate people build their dream businesses um, and and I've accumulated that knowledge and that experience like helping friends like you and and many others around the world um, and so every time I learn something or or, ex- or work with someone new I, I try to take something from it I'm like okay this is a fear this is a concern this is like what drives this person and and that's what makes it fun is the interaction with people
1: yeah i would say you know from our build out in 2014 to our current build out we went on we went underwent another build out like we went through Mm installing turf and you know the whole the whole nine yards the whole facility got redone into what it is today um and i think that probably this last iteration you know you and i both learned a lot about um one another you learned about uh that I'm sure you've seen, I have some perfectionist qualities in terms of like how I see things in my mind and how I want it to go down, except for perfectionism doesn't always meet reality. And so sometimes there has to be a compromise on that thing. And then other times, I think from my end, I've uh, I've learned that it's really important for me to, um, to understand how to compromise, right? So how to say I might have this vision in my head of what I want, however, I can't uh, necessarily like get there without you know the advice of somebody else. And you're like, yeah, I get that that's what you want, but this is what is really realistic. So,
0: mm-hmm. um, well, that's especially true for you. You need to be. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you got to put the bumpers out, you know.
1: Which is, you know, I mean, and if I think- and if
0: it didn't work when I told you, I would just tell your wife, and then she would set you straight. So, props to Amanda. Yeah. I keeping, mean, well, keeping
1: you in line. Well, Willis, I do always tell people I work for Willis. I don't work for myself. I work for my wife, which is truer than in many facets. But so I want to stick on this idea of like helping people build their dream businesses, because I'm sure that even back in 2012, and you and I were talking about CrossFit. And then if we were to sit down and have another conversation about what it's going to be for the next five years, those two things would be very, very different. So how do you think that you remain relevant um in the, you know, manufacturing industry and in the outfitting industry? Like how does how do you as a business, how does Fuji like meet the needs of the the ever changing needs of the clients?
0: Yeah, for for me I have the benefit of being one of the owners. So um I really like that because I'm a I'm an innovative person and I get to be a creative person in that way. So if I see a problem I just go ahead and try to fix it, right? It might take a couple of tries. It might take a, and a try is basically a success or a failure, right? Or or some degree of one or the other. So a lot of times you fail a couple of times along the way, but you can't see them as failures. You just gotta see it as like a learning opportunity or a growth. So, you know, like like a problem, for example, is like our our mats, um, if, if they're not packed really tight together, right? You get gaps and cracks and things like that, right? So it's a frustration for the martial art community for all of time. Um, It's a really traditional product called a tatami, which is like a from the Japanese uh, format, so you might see in Mm. like samurai movies and stuff like that. Anything in Japan, that mat's called tatami. Um, So I made a frame kit, right? The first one I made in my wood shop, and then the second one I made in my wood shop, and then the third one I made at uh, Joe Rogan's facility on site. And then I was like, "This is way too much work. It warps, it twists." So I quit using a couple of the materials, and then I had a cabinet shop start making them for us. So huge improvement. Everyone orders them, and it just makes the whole end result like much better. So it took like four tries, four failures, um, but ultimately every one of my customers appreciates that. And just a small example, but in in anything and in every way, you can just continue to be innovative by addressing concerns and problems and being open and receptive is the first step so just listening to people that have issues or problems or troubles and then aiming to solve it for them I think is a great way to go about it
1: so you would then kind of say that maybe like your success in business today could probably just like in carpentry carpentry is um, a lot of problem solving a lot of seeing things through and then I mean would you say that when you work with wood it's can you anticipate how it's quote unquote going to react or how things are going to turn out? Or do you have to remain adaptable when working
0: with wood and being a carpenter? Yeah. You kind of, you kind of learn to, to play the trajectory, right? So, you know, things aren't going to go perfectly straight. Things aren't going to be in line. So you just kind of play the curve just like catching a line drive or something. Right. You gotta, you gotta see it coming and and anticipate where it's going to be and you're wrong sometimes and you're right sometimes, but you still develop that skill either way. That's awesome.
1: So then in terms of helping clients develop their business, you talked a lot about listening at first, like what is, when do you kind of find that you can, or at what point in your career did you really start trying to trust your gut and like, you know, calling your shot, being like, you know, I've seen this before and I think that, you know, cause you've done that with me before, right? Like I've, I've been like, Patrick, this is what I think I want to do. And you're like, no, nah, I mean, you could, but this is what I anticipate happening. And lo and behold, sometimes I'm right. Sometimes you're right. But, at what point do you learn to kind of just, you know, trust your gut and kind of go with your intuition on those things?
0: I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm not sure how to answer it. I think, um, I think it's important to like keep yourself in check and surround yourself with people that keep you in check because you don't want to get into a situation where you're like, well, I'm right, or I'm usually right, or I'm almost always right. Right. I'm, I'm this the first person you- in the room. Yeah. You don't want to be that person. Cause then, the second that you think that and you're so convinced because of your previous experience being right. That's when you start being wrong. So, so being a student of an environment like you have to accept that there's always someone That there's something that you can learn from everyone. Right. So it may be like a tiny thing, it may be a behavioral thing. It may not be like, like when I was trying to do um, overhead squats. Remember how hard of a time I had. I just like I just like didn't have the shoulder mobility for some reason. I'm like, I'm plenty strong to lift this weight, but I can't hold the weight in the right position. And it was like a technique thing. So that's an area where my, my pride and my ego at the time was like in the way of my success. And, and actually you like, was, we're just like, take, take the weight off. And you made me drop weight to an embarrassing level. And I was like, I'm not proud of like this weight Cause I can lift more. But in doing so, I developed the mobility, put the weight back on like four weeks later, five weeks later, it took a while, but then I could, then I could lift again. So I think it's about like having that patience and that humility to make those, those small corrections and adjustments in business, as well as in overhead squatting and it, and it works, you know, you just got to go through the process and and stay open-minded. That's probably the key thing, right?
1: Do you feel like you're? Because um, some people may or may not know this, but you um, you do have a deep love for jujitsu, and you're active in the, the MMA or the you know the MMA community and the jujitsu community. Do you feel like it's important uh, in the field that you're in to also be a consumer, so to speak? Like to, you know, not only practice martial arts but like you know be in a facility that is not yours and just you know have kind of continue to to be around this. You know this industry at
0: multiple levels do you think that that's beneficial oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah i, I mean not, not even anything to elaborate on it's definitely valuable uh, yeah. to be a part of a community to be uh, involved in the sport to see it like not on, not on my computer screen but also you know in person and, and that's where you really like hear about real problems and stuff like that so i, I travel around the country um, like I was just in Reno a couple of weeks ago, visiting a gym that I did like two and a half years ago and just to hang out with the guy, go fishing. Um, and he walked me around the gyms, showed me some problems and, um, and I saw some solutions there. So,
1: well, the reason I ask is because I think a lot of times, um, it's been my experience when people ask me about being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, you know, it, things can look really easy on the outside or, you know, you, do you hear you, you should be really proud of this or are you proud of this that question comes up a lot and for me i feel like my ability to stay close enough in it with people you know it allows me to remain empathetic you know like i practice what i preach but also not you know not trying to just be a, a passive owner or passive investor but like extremely active in my my messaging and my craft i find that that more than anything keeps me relevant, you know, um, I can speak to the population. So, um, but I would think with the, the MMA community, like there, there is a level of vetting someone and like, you know, you kind of got to walk the walk and talk the talk at the same time, you know, cause then you understand where they're coming from. So. Yeah. I
0: think it's, well, I think it's important to own your truth there too. You know, like I, I don't talk to like a Muay Thai fighter and give them advice on how to strike or how to like, yeah. You should you know, use judge distance more. or anything, right? You should, use, you should really just like turn into that just a little bit more, right? You know, like you're playing. Yeah, yeah You tell that guy you're he's dropping. You're dropping your left. You're dropping. Like no, like, <laughs> you know you try to stay in your lane as best you can, and you can understand a lot without having an expertise in it, right? So, yeah. like like I'm a like I'm a purple belt, which is a long long ways from a black belt, right? And and a black belt's a long long way from like like Henzo Gracie or somebody who's like a legendary black belt. So I think like the belt system in martial arts um, transfers well to, to business and just so like life itself, right? There's a lot of degrees of skill. And if you ever assume that you're a master at something, that's probably when you start regressing. So as long as you always have something to learn and something to develop on, like then you can continue to build that skill and hone it. And then you can be receptive to, um, other techniques and other skills and the fact that if you're the person, if you're the one person that knows the most in the world on one specific topic, well, even even as that person, if you don't continue to learn and develop, that's going to change. And so if you're not changing with it, then you're already falling behind. So it's a, it's a good attitude to have in like your day-to-day life and business and relationships and everything. To always be open-minded, and to be like the person that's learning. So if you're learning hard, if you're working hard, you're going to continue to excel. And if you get um, if you get lazy, if you get stale, like you just get static, then you just you start to your life just starts to wane, right? Just start to fade. So I think it's important to stay relevant in that way.
1: Well, you, I was going to ask you. My last two questions were going to be. What is what does jujitsu taught you you know in business and you know what's the greatest lessons taught you in life and it seems like you've wrapped those up eloquently into one answer there so i appreciate that um so i guess we'll i'll I'll end it on this now i have more of a one more question for you um and is this is that you know we talked we wanted to start this podcast about kind of our nature and our relationship and we could talk for hours on kind of the mischievous adventures we've had and you know bending rules and things like that but have you found ever in your life especially when practicing jiu-jitsu that like you've tried to you know kind of like take shortcuts or do things like that especially when you're rolling and that it just doesn't pan out well like you think that you're like oh, i'm you know this is because it's all about problem solving right jiu-jitsu is about solving this problem some people call it death chest but like Inevitably if you try to take that shortcut, you get caught, you know? Like has that been your experience as you've gone up through the belt system? Like
0: hundred percent. Anytime you try to muscle something instead of using technique, anytime you try to like blast through one position because you don't want to be in the one that has to come before it, you end up getting burned short term or long term. It's better if it's short term and you get burned right away. So you don't think that it might work down the road, you know, because then you're teaching yourself bad, bad traits and bad habits. And as you know, right, coaching people, then that just perpetuates itself, right?
1: Yeah, in the coaching world, I talk a lot about that success isn't necessarily about what program you were following or how much you were lifting It's about this idea of understanding shapes and that if you accumulate enough time in the right shapes, under certain loads progressively increasing in intensity and other otherwise, you will inevitably adapt and get better, you know, and that's kind of the name of the game. But if we're seeking these short-term fixes, uh, you know, it tends, we we tend to believe our own story, which then perpetuates our own lie, which then facilitates an environment in which we're willing to take shortcuts, which inevitably will stagnate our growth. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah, I mean, this was a fun, uh, this was a fun kind of jaunt down memory lane. I mean, I, I appreciate you being there with me through, all of the iterations of this and uh you know even beforehand oh, yeah. we you know got to fight fires together and be young rowdy
0: college boys you know so we'll uh we'll get that gee back on you soon as soon as we can uh get closer than six feet yeah i mean we could shadow box for sure you
1: know close by or just practice you know our shrimping together on zoom
0: yeah know,
1: like oh, i'm gonna get be here and then
0: <laughs> yeah get some movement going for sure yeah.
1: Sure. all right Patrick well thank you for joining I uh, greatly appreciate you on many many levels but this was fun so I hope people enjoy oh. yeah
0: thanks for having me
1: if people wanted to to learn more about you or learn more about your company or what you do I know that you are quite humble but if uh, it just takes maybe a small you know Instagram social media investigation down the uh, the old Fuji mat tunnel to find out that you are you guys are in a many places that are well known but how can people find you and inquire more if they were interested
0: Yeah. Fujimats.com or, um, our Instagram is at Fujimatco. And, uh, that's really fun to check out. Just scroll deep into it. Check out all the projects we've done. Um, see some cool stuff. We can do home gyms and stuff too. If anybody needs anything, um, I'll hook you up. Just let me know. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Good to see you guys. Bye. Bye.